there's just ways that we can make it easier for merchants. And all of those things are happening all over the place, not just the automatic. I think we're all engaged in this giant depth first search of what is the right way to expose the power of these tools without leaving users subject to like weird hallucinations or having to proofread everything or or resulting in content that reads like way too boilerplate. Oh, this is just another AI generated website. It feels depersonalized. Like it needs to still have the impact that people are looking for. Hey, Bob WP here and welcome to Do The Woo, The WooCommerce and WordPress Builder Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Avalara Next, a global tax compliance conference exclusively designed for tech partners and the developer community. I'm going to tell you more about this great event later in the show, but today we pull back the curtain with Dave Lockie and Dan Walmsley from Automatic as they have a very candid conversation about AI and WordPress. You won't want to miss this one as they share insights, a bit of philosophy, and how WordPress and WooCommerce is now and will be playing alongside the growing space of AI. Hello, and welcome to the Do The Woo Shiny Exciting Tech Podcast. I'm Dave Lockie, uh, one of the co-hosts, and today I have only one other person on the podcast with me because... The Americans are Americaning as they generally do uh, on July the fourth. But we've got a, we've got a. How do you describe yourself? You're an Australian, but in America, so we get to access you, Dan. I've got Dan Walmsley from Automatic. Uh, That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm being actively sacrilegious by working on the fourth of July in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is uh, subversive. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I like to stick it to the man by working harder for the man. <laughs> Joyful subversion. I'm not sure that's quite what they intended by that, friends. <laughs> so um, thanks for joining me today, Dan. And um, we talk quite a lot uh, behind the, the velvet rope of automatic, but uh, I thought it'd be really fun to have a conversation out in the open uh, for the broader Woo ecosystem and to pick up on some stuff that we've talked about before, but also to have a broader chat, uh, hopefully not mentioning any company secrets. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be difficult for us because we're, we're totally used to being like, yeah, when we build those rocket ships to Mars, everyone's really going to be like, what happened to automatic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, poor brains having to handle different contexts. <laughs> so uh, I think first things first, let's do some hygiene. Would you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Dan Wormsley, um, although my girlfriend calls me Daniel, which is adorable. Um, only she and my mother get to use my full name. And I am the interim head of AI at Automatic. I work on the applied AI team, uh, mostly as an engineer architect kind of person, but um you know, also doing a little wrangling right now while uh, Andrew Spittle is on sabbatical. He is the he is the uh, true and canonical head of AI. And uh, how did you end up at Automatic? Let's give us a little brief history of them here. Please. Yeah, so um, I had bounced around various startups for a few years, um, mostly in a CTO capacity um, uh, and mostly around uh, activism. 
and um, sort of d- democratizing certain technologies. Um, specifically, so when, when Obama won uh, in 2008, there was a sort of big surge of interest in digital organizing um, and the impact it could have both for nonprofits and for brands. And so I worked at Purpose as a CTO, trying to sort of platformize digital organizing there. And then uh, more directly at, at Nation Builder, where we got venture funding and were able to turn that into uh, a big product that served lots of people. Um, and so there's always been, um, sort of strains in my history of like organ, uh, sort of activism and technology and sort of entertainment. I was an improviser for many years and, and, um, play music and things. And, um, uh, when, uh, I had a baby, I decided the best place for me to work was automatic because I really wanted to work still on, um, you know, democratizing technology. Um, and so there was a strong alignment of values there. And also I wanted to work remotely, um, so we could live near family in rural California, which we do. Uh, and it's a, it's a magnificent life hack, I have to say. Uh, so I've been here for about, um, gosh, uh, coming in on nine years, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's the longest I've worked anywhere by like a factor of over two. So I don't think I've ever worked anywhere longer than four years. Um, so, uh, I think that says a lot for the company. I have a short attention span, but they've managed to hold me. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive i think for somebody that's used to flitting around and uh chasing squirrels to have your attention and i imagine you've done a few different roles over your time perhaps we'll we'll speak to some of those but i think probably what folks will want to get out of uh this episode if nothing else is what's automatic doing with ai what are we going to see changing with woocommerce or wordpress.com or tumblr uh what what are we hatching that you can talk about yeah. So, I mean, the first the first thing to say is something that I think everybody is is aware of, which is that the AI industry is moving at lightning speed, and you know, even the most fundamental aspects of AI, um, you know, see new announcements every week, whether that's in the usefulness of models or their size or um, the ability to 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 run um, things that used to take huge compute clusters on a single laptop, you know, using things like stable diffusion. And so just the first thing I would say is like everything has a giant asterisk next to it, which is it could all be upended next week by some new technology. And, you know, but a lot of a lot of what our team exists to do is to take um, the technologies that we can sort of take to the bank in the present moment, you know, so say like um, GPT-4 with functions or something like that, you know, this uh, um, uh, APIs and say, well, what can we do with this today that wasn't possible six months ago? You know, if we if we sort of build a lot of different sort of prototypes and approaches, uh, can we find one that, um, you know, creates an inflection point for the company, whether that's in the cost of support or in, you know, helping users to shortcut actions by kind of composing tool based workflows from a single statement or whether that's, you know, um, providing customized support docs um, that that are that are tailored for the problem a user is having and the, the features they have enabled, like, these and and you know obviously editors so, and and there's a there's a lot we've already announced on that front like there's a lot we're already doing like people might have seen that we're generating answers in the support widget they probably have seen that the Jetpack AI plugin which which generates layouts um, they um, and and images and things like that and so you know what we're working on internally is basically subsequent generations of all of those things. Um, and like a lot of other companies, we're trying to do it with an eye towards business impact. So like the first pass might have been more about feasibility or like learning. Um, but the 
you know, the, the, the real meat of the work is in how does this integrate with the business? How does it support the business? Like, how does it affect the fundamental metrics that we care about? Because these technologies are not cheap. Like, you know, um, GPT-4 is an incredibly expensive and terribly bad database if you use it for that. And so you have to make sure you're using the things it's good at. Right. Okay. So the things that we're doing are the things that you would expect us to be doing, and we are going to keep doing them. Is that the bottom line? Yes. And I, well, I would say like on the more interesting front, you know, where I see opportunity uh, and, and momentum for us is in um, building classifiers out of the data that we sort of uniquely have. And some of the data that we uniquely have is that, um, you know, if you are using our hosting platform or our tools to build a website, we have a, you know, real time stream of the data that is necessary to provide that functionality, whether it's indexing or, you know, helpful suggestions or other things. Um, and, and that data provides an incredibly powerful, uh, foundation for AI assistance because, you know, we know what you're trying to do while you're doing it, you know, because our tools, you're using our tools and that, that puts us in a position to help in a way that like other tool vendors, um, you know, might not be able to, they might not have that. You know, we've, we've invested, um, the last 10 years in Jetpack Sync, which is like an underlying data synchronization architecture that means that like all of these cool indexing things and stuff are just like fire and forget features that work on any site. When, when I originally architected Jetpack Sync, I said it needed to be able to run on a Raspberry Pi strapped to the roof of a four wheel drive going through a tunnel, you know, connected via 3G. Uh, and so, like, if there's ever a glitch, it needs to be able to, like, be bulletproof to that. Now, now that that foundation is bulletproof, and it really, really has, is night and day compared to how it used to be, it, it, there's so many AI features you can build on top that, like, many of which are pretty obvious and don't need to be spelled out, but, like, just to, to help you get where you're clearly trying to go at any given time. Yeah, that's that's amazing, isn't it? And I think there's something about having made that investment in digital infrastructure and the i guess like the business change that always comes with integrating new technologies at that time 10 years ago and continuing to invest in that that then allows for this next wave of evolution as we layer in these new emergent technologies and i i sort of feel that despite the fast changing nature of this current generation, this week's generation of AI tech, and the fact that to some extent we have to ship about and find out uh, as the context and the technologies change beneath our feet, investing in the learning and the tools and the nuance that comes with actually being hands-on with product will perform that same function. You know, it's good hygiene, it's change management within the business and it's scaffolding for whatever comes next, whether that be in the next month or the next week or next year and uh, probably at this rate tomorrow. Yeah, generally speaking, when it comes to sort of contemplating how to shape a feature, for me, there's like at least three major considerations. Like one is over the long term, like is there something foundational about this is there something fundamental about this so for example we worked on this um chat feature for seth godin's blog and there's a few other blogs it's on too and you know th th there's a lot of improvements to that coming down the pike it was very much a first pass but like 
we believe that chatting with a blog, like making it possible for someone to take like any knowledge base, whether that's something they're curating or it's a long tail of their blog history and like making those recipes, those diary entries, those um, words of advice or whatever else that you filled your blog with, like accessible through a chat interface, we believe is, well, I believe certainly is, is a fundamental new both user interface paradigm and a powerful, like a much more powerful way to interact with content than we've had in the past. And we believe, um, you know, that this is something that every site owner should be able to tune for their own use case. Like, you know, much like with ChatGPT, how you can plug in tools, what does it look like to plug AI tools into a chat experience powered by a WordPress website? Like, you know, uh, I think a lot of people are thinking about that and, you know, we're thinking about that too. You know, we just think there's a huge amount of value. So is there something fundamental uh, is one is one question. And then are there many possible different use cases, like all the way from a free site up to an enterprise site? Can we imagine that same feature, say chatting with a blog, like being useful? Well, you know, yes, if you provide customer support, if you provide advice, if you provide recipes, if you provide stories for kids, those are all different personalities that can be, you know, uh, and knowledge bases that can be delivered through exactly the same user interface paradigm and set of tooling. And the adaptability of the GPT series of models means that, you know, we can use the same stuff to serve all those things. So that's great. You know, and then in the short term, the question is, and this is the third piece, does it solve a pain point people have today? Like, is there something missing in their lives? That part is a little harder. I, I feel like we're in a moment where people aren't quite sure what this AI thing is for yet or how much to invest in it. But I do think that like, you know, for, for, for many products, people are intrigued by AI and willing to try it as an add-on to something they're already, you know, oh, I was going to buy the pro plan. Oh, it comes with an AI thing. Oh, I'm definitely going to get it now and try it out for a week and whatever and see what that's about because I want to know what AI can do for me. You know, so we're in a moment like that, that that's kind of a bubble where I think that's going to tip a lot of AI companies' conversions kind of over the edge in the time being. But like the long-term test, the long-term tell is like, are you actually providing value? Do you actually have a moat? Can you be eaten alive by someone else with better data? You know, I think at Automatic, we have many, many, many uh, possible things we can try um, that all of which look really, really promising um, and, and are based on, again, the reason why we invested in Sync is we asked the question, is it fundamental? Does it enable multiple potential use cases? And does it scale from simple sites all the way to the enterprise? And the answer for all three was yes. Yeah. Does it, does it take away pain? Since, yeah. Since that time, we have rolled out like at least four or five different technologies on top of that same backbone, including security scanning, synchronous. Um, uh, indexing with Elasticsearch um, and a whole bunch of other things. Um, so, yeah, you know, that, that I, th- I feel like some of these uh, chat interfaces and other things will be the same way, like a universal platform on which you can build quite set, distinct experiences for different parts of the market. It's kind of difficult to imagine generative AI now being anything other than table stakes for any digital experience. I don't think that's true yet because you know the adoption curve for this stuff whilst it's impressive there's still a lot of people that aren't using it or at least don't know they're using it it's just like oh wow this got better and easier do you agree do you think this is sort of a differentiator or that it's just hygiene or a bit of both i think we're finding out what's possible um like even at automatic uh, where we have more resources and more, I think, opportunities perhaps than other people just because of the sheer variety of different products. Like we're still finding out where it can be a real 
differentiator. And, and part of that is the big asterisk at the beginning. Like what you thought was a moat yesterday is gone today. And what you thought was impossible yesterday is possible today. And so like all you can do, I think, is just take your best shot every day at like what's the most important thing to work on? Like where can we move the needle in the short term while not forgetting the long term, while considering what's fundamental, while considering what's universal, but like, how can we like, what can we ship today? And like, it, we, we ship a lot of stuff internally for automaticians that never sees the light of day, but are attempts at like different ways of solving a problem. And our team is no different. Like we're shipping all kinds of craziness at short notice with no tests or whatever, you know, for automaticians and, and just seeing what happens and gathering feedback and going for it. Um, um, which is, you know, it is the automatic way. Um, and, you know, sometimes there's a different lengths of time between when something turns out to be a good idea and when consumers get it, depending on how it scales and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's one of the funnest parts of my job is just like, hey, what do you think of this? You know, take some feature and like deploy it into Slack so people can quickly interact with it before we throw it on a website, you know, and, and that kind of thing. I, I remember a story from many years ago about how um, the, they designed the Palm Pilot. And apparently the designer of the Palm Pilot carried different sized blocks of wood in his pocket and put them in different pockets and pulled them out at different times and asked himself, what would be the most useful thing this block of wood could do right now? And like, sometimes it's like, <laughs> because of the way that humans tend to anthropomorphize AI, you can very quickly trick a human into asking an AI to do something that is currently impossible, but which ought to be possible. You can say, I'm an AI and I'm capable of this or that. What would you like to do? And of course, the human will always, you know, based on what the AI says, will ask something that's either possible or impossible. And then you just have to sort of classify that and see whether those impossible tasks ladder up into something that you have to bring into the realm of the possible. Yes, we are good at asking for the impossible as people. Yes. You may not have your mindset on global tax compliance but I'm betting your clients will feel much more at ease knowing you do. So to get on top of all things tax compliance, mark your calendar for September 20th and 21st Travelers Next, a conference exclusively designed for their tech partners and the developer community. You will hear from Moo experts like Becca Rice, who shares her wealth of knowledge about building and coding with tax compliance in mind. Plus, hey, you'll have a chance to win a tax-free, of course, tax-free, $500 gift certificate from Amazon. So when you have a free moment, head over to heyvir.com forward slash next 23, or check out our show notes for the link to register for free. So let me change gears a little bit. So one of the things that, I think we're still parsing out as people is to what extent does chat GPT become like the interface through which you then route to like all other, you know, many or all other applications in your life. And when do you go to a specific application with embedded chat GPT? And I use chat GPT here. It's like just a generic sort of like, Hoover being a backroom cleaner. Right. So so AI-based chat, the 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 paradigm versus chat GPT, the implementation, which we, we probably should be clear about that because you know I think it's clear to me that chat is 
really useful, has been around for a long time and is going to become even more prevalent now that you don't have to have a human on the other end of it. It's just closer to the way humans natively communicate with each other and that reduces the barrier to success. So, you know, rather than like, you know, Google where you sort of have a single prompt and you refine it over time, like just being able to ask questions of, you know, whatever data sets sit behind the model is really powerful. Um, But like ChatGPT itself, like the company and whatever, like, you know, it's possible that say Apple comes along and says, We've shoved a big enough GPU in every one of our devices that you can run a um, an instruct level language model, say a 30 billion param language model or something like in maybe not in your phone, but maybe in a brick in your house. You know, like you, you could imagine the Mac mini getting stuffed to the freaking gills with like M2s with like neural processing units on them or something uh, and sitting there running a language model that is totally private to you and like ensuring that no personally identifying information ever leaves your network. And that's, you know, if, if you're going to take full advantage of the power of an LLM, you might feel uneasy being entirely dependent on one company like OpenAI, right? Like, you know, you might feel like I want, I want to own the hardware this runs on. Like that's a, that's a possibility. I, I mentioned that only to say, if that becomes the paradigm, then people who make hardware win right? And that's not open AI, right? And that's not necessarily Microsoft. If, if Apple is able to say all the important stuff actually happens at the edge, then open AI has no th- nothing at the edge. Whereas if they're able to say, well, all the important stuff happens in the cloud, open AI wins because Apple is like at, at a you know, disadvantage when it comes to those hosted models right now. Yeah. And I, I guess I tend not to think of this so much as winners or losers, but like just the different roles that these companies are going to play in the ecosystem. Like there's almost certainly going to be space for both of the above. You know, there's going to be room for cloud-based open AI. And there's also going to be, I think where Apple's proven the value of its investment in hardware is when it wants to do stuff like vision uh, that just enable experiences that nobody else could build and potentially open up like a whole new i don't even know how you describe it like sectors categories uh paradigms of experience like created like genuine innovation that i think then a lot of value accrues to as they become the, the platform for that yeah uh, I, I will say that it's, it, it does seem like this um this plug-in idea where like the large language model kind of exists as a uh, orchestra conductor or a you know a railroad switch operator between different AI tools that may be um, you know published by different vendors, and w- one of the most interesting developments at Microsoft Build was that they adopted OpenAI's specification for AI plugins, and it's very webby. It's like a file hosted at .wellknown slash AI plugin .json. It describes authentication endpoints like OAuth that maybe, you know, obviously use HTTP and JSON. It points to a Swagger, uh, like YAML or JSON file describing the endpoints and their metadata, their inputs and outputs in a way that can be parsed and made useful by an LLM. Uh, Context windows are getting to the size where you can shove a whole lot of these tools in there at once. And so like the only role in those situations that the LLM plays is like, 
marshalling data in and out of the, like deciding on the best sequencing of actions to solve the problem using those tools and then marshalling data in and out of them based on the description. So, oh, this date's in UTC, this date's in GMT. Maybe it has to do some conversion and stuff. Um, and so in that situation, the, the, the orchestration AI can be pretty dumb. You know what I mean? Like in, in conceptual terms, you're not using it as a database. You're not using it as like a, a therapist. You're just using it as a, a thing that says, given this set of tools, what's the right set of steps to solve this problem, the problem described by the user. And so that's a, that's a really cool thing because it actually is much more decentralized in a weird kind of way than the current web where so much is dependent on a handful of social networks and Google, right? As the kind of attention aggregators, I think it's possible that if this AI plugin standard takes off and you could have multiple engines cons- consuming the same standard, like you can, you know, you could today, and in fact, Langchain already has a way of just consuming AI plugin spec and integrating it into any workflow you like. And you can, you can run that on models hosted entirely on Colab notebooks or on your own laptop or anything like that. It's a completely open spec. And so like every single AI plugin that's published is accessible, not just to Ch- ChatGPT and not just to Microsoft, but to uh, a web GPU-based LLM hosted on your own WordPress website, if you want. That you could host the actual model, fine-tuned for your own use cases on your own website and plug in whatever plugins you want. So just wanted to mention that. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I'm just trying to think of all of the things in my life that are like on my to-do list that could just get done without me needing to do it. <laughs> Or at least like ninety percent done. Yeah, I mean, we are, it's, exactly. It's it's ultimately what it breaks down to is like, what are the things that are getting done that weren't getting done before? Like, if we want to talk about like economic kind of bread and butter sort of issues, it's like in my own life, if I had the perfect assistant, it would be able to listen to my inbox, and I would never miss that important message from school that was buried at the bottom of the newsletter, like you know, bring your bathers tomorrow because it's a pool day, right? Um, cause like, I get, I don't know about you guys, like, any, you know, you, you might have kids and, uh, but I drown in incoming information from the kids school about volunteering opportunities and days off and half days and this and that, um, school chat and school tech is, it's overwhelming for sure. Yeah. I just want my assistant to let me know, to be smart enough to let me know on the morning that they have to wear some different clothes to school, that, that they have to wear some different clothes to school, just the salient facts. Are delivered at the right time. And to me, that's the promise of a bot-based world and a system-based world is like, if an assistant makes that promise and keeps it, then that's the assistant for me. And I will shovel $50, $100 a month at them, <laughs> you know? Well, I think on an individual basis, that is, yeah, I mean, I would I would pay that money too, for sure. Even just not to have to read school news as I would probably pay that. But um, I think where this potentially becomes more not more, but like another way of thinking about this is what does that mean if you're running a, a store on WooCommerce and you're getting mm. a bot that is acting on your behalf? It's like, you know, your e-commerce expert and it's saying, you know, given last month's open rates and the new products you've uploaded and like I'd recommend this discount code and this language, like this creative, like, you know, are you happy with this month's marketing plan? <laughs> Click go. Like how much more value does that generate for users of WooCommerce? And then, you know, if you believe that, as I do, that people that doing trading, like selling to each other, binds us together as people and strengthens our 
civilization, even during these sort of fractious times of um, change, is is a net positive for the world. Like what what good, like how much good can we do by helping merchants to sell the right stuff to the right people at the right time in the right way? You know, even if you just move that needle like one percent. I think for me, what's really exciting, and it always starts with sort of like the alignment of like values and incentives, is that um, Wu is all about supporting small business growing into big business. Like it's all about like people at any size of business being able to just start and not have the lack of a website get in their way or not have Amazon's terms and conditions get in their way or whatever. Like nobody can stand in your way. You know, the, the, but there is complexity involved in every aspect of that from, you know, okay, what if I need to customize my website in a way that's not yet supported by the plugin or my theme? Or, you know, what are all the different things I need to learn just so I can do the two or three things that really matter to me? Oh, I've got to learn about the theming system and this and that. And there's all sorts of places where I, AI can help all the way from helping the coders who originally, who make these plugins in the first place code more quickly because they've got AI assisted coding tools to like, you know, AI assisted, um, you know, obviously generative content, like, you know, the Jetpack AI plugin is a great example of this, you know, you can generate content, and then you can reformat it to be longer and shorter and more formal and, and more whimsical and more whatever. And I think, you know, it's going to start feeling like, um, you know, we just have more ways of manipulating the content we've already created, like maybe you've already created a bunch of products, and you want to go in there and just like, make the make the descriptions punchier, right? Uh, well, Jetpack AI can already help you with that. You can go in and like, you know, just punch something up. Um, and, and there's going to be more and more of that sort of thing all the way to, um, you know, we, we have um, a really, really on WordPress.com powerful advertising system called WordPress.com Blaze. Uh, and it's actually the twin of Tumblr Blaze. And so it's a place where you can go and create ads based on your own content to promote your own products and services. There's obviously already places where we use, you know, AI sort of in the ad server for targeting and that sort of thing. And that, that can always be improved. But also generating ads based on content is obviously a great idea. People, people do that using ChatGPT today. Um, but, you know, there's just ways that we can, we can make it easier for, for merchants. And all of those things are happening all over the place, not just the automatic. I think we're all engaged in this giant, you know, depth first search of, what is the right way to expose the power of these tools without leaving users subject to like weird hallucinations or having to like proofread everything or, um, you know, or, or resulting in, in content that reads like way too boilerplate, like, oh, this is just another AI generated website. It feels depersonalized. Like it needs to still have the impact that people are looking for. And that I think is where the, as we go through various generations of AI products, the, the companies that, measure and improve on the fundamental metrics that define these workflows will be the ones that, you know, live to get to the second and third and fourth generation of these tools um, where the business impact is exponentially higher than what we have right now. So I, I know we've touched on probably a couple of aspects of this, but it's something that I always try and come back to and anchor myself with is our mission you know, automatics, but also WordPress is, you know, to give people the freedom to publish and the freedom to uh, sell online. I'd like to hear your thoughts about how these technologies, how AI changes or doesn't change those freedoms. Like, do, does it give 
freedom a new context and if so what is that and that, what does that mean for the ecosystem and everyone that relies on it for making a living yeah actually that's a good prompt because it brings me back to a point i was i was about uh, trying to make earlier and then completely forgot which was um that i've noticed in the age of ai uh quite a few people starting up small businesses um that wouldn't have started them up before because AI is able to power some aspect of the business that they found painful, regardless of whether it's an AI business, right? But this is somebody who's like, wow, I always wanted to like run a yoga retreat, but like I was never able to like write all the marketing spin. And now I can just, there's this AI tool that does it for me. And then I can just run my run my yoga retreat um, and, and things like that. Um, so I, I think where there's values alignment is 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 in this idea that like well where there's freedom I should say uh, which is what you sort of first referred to it's in I don't need to ask someone for permission I don't need to learn anything new I don't need to hire a bunch of people I have everything I need today if I take on this one tool say woo uh, then I have everything I need today to get started on my dreams to to me that's what it, that's what's what the unlock is yeah I think about it in a couple of different ways as well. I don't this is, this just feels sort of a bit orthogonal to it to that point. One is that it's about the freedom to create, to express yourself, to, you know, you mentioned like not being blocked uh, because you don't have the skills or the money or the time or the expertise or whatever. Uh, so that's about, giving people tools that let them connect with their creativity in like more profound and meaningful ways. I think that's probably building really on what you said, but it's that freedom to just go and take what's in your head and manifest it in the world. I think that's just extremely powerful. The, the other one is then the freedom to make a living from that and to do that at the edges and we've we've kind of talked about this through the episode as well which is that you you know you can just run the software do what you want sell what you want in any way that you want to anyone at any time anywhere there's something very powerful about that and this is absolutely not a recommendation to not be compliant with all local laws and regulations but innovation happens at the edges and i think one continuous advantage that open source will always have over centralized and proprietary is the permissionlessness of it that you know sure you might need to ask for forgiveness but you never need to ask for permission because you can take this stuff and you can just start doing what you want to do whatever it is that you want to manifest in the world you can go and do that and some of those ideas become powerful and they get traction they kind of get dragged back into the middle and you know they, sh they shift the whole space so I, I guess we're talking about like the freedom to innovate and create at an individual level but we're also talking about the freedom to innovate and create at a like at a more society or civilizational level and wrapped up in that for me is the monetization side of things because the freedoms are only important as long as they actually touch creators 
Uh, and I think more and more people are relying on being online to make a living. And if you can't afford to be creative or to like follow your passion because you don't have the capital or, you know, you're working two jobs or whatever, then like the freedom to create and express yourself, like all well and good, but irrelevant. And so whenever I think about what we're doing at where I'm trying to think like, does this help people make a living online, not money, but like a living to be feeling like they'll be able to put food on their table in six months time. And that that's part of what this, what freedom to me means in this new paradigm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think WordPress has always been about pure freedom of expression, I think in some fundamental way. And then Woo is about the subset of pure freedom of expression where people are making something you can sell. And that's for many people, not all people, like some people have a boring job and an exciting time on the weekends. And some people want to have an exciting job that they do during the day and also on the weekends and they're entrepreneurs. And that's, you know, that's totally fine for them to be different subsets of people. Each of them may be WooCommerce customers um, with different motivations. But, you know, I do, yeah, I do think some of the, joy of the and and freedom aspects in fact many or most of them from the core wordpress project are there in woo yeah. you know um to a fault you know we with like all the default you know all the defaults and options you should be you know people are able to opt out of almost every form of like externalized tracking or control or auto updating or whatever if you want to control the individual bytes on disk you can um and i think that that's uh important um yeah, and, and and I also think where there are people who would benefit massively from somebody turn, making that service a bit more managed, where you can describe a problem and it can create a solution uh, for you rather than you having to go look for an expert who can manipulate the bytes on disk, then that should be part of the picture as well. It's it's just part of that classic process of like how do you how do you scale the benefits of something? I think there was a time with WordPress where you know the fact that it was open source. Uh, was the the, the main um, benefit, right? Like it wasn't more sophisticated. It wasn't more powerful. It was in some ways user-friendly, but that's just because it had so few features at the time. Um, but like the fact that it was open source and you could download it as a zip file and run it on your own server was like everything. Um, that's no longer really the case because now we're not just trying to reach the early internet adopters who all ran their own servers in the early 2000s or whatever. We're trying to reach people who don't care about computers and just, you know, and that's just a matter of scale. It's just a matter of like, well, if your goal is to democratize this stuff, you've just got to scale out in all these ways that may be powered by technology, but are fundamentally more about making technology disappear than putting every bell and whistle in someone's hands directly. And they can sit at the Boeing 747 of content management systems and control the lot. That's not, that's not going to help most people. Yeah. I guess sort of stepping outside my my role that's something that i feel wordpress has sort of been a bit complacent with for a while you know like it's open source isn't really it's still an answer it's just that not many people are asking that question anymore it's necessary but not sufficient yeah yeah i think that's true but there are there's a deeper story which is very much tied to open source and does still very much matter and I spend a non-trivial amount of time thinking about what that is, that story, and because uh, I think it's 
during times of disruption like this, where we've got new technologies and everyone's asking questions, I think being able to fall back on principles and missions and values, that's when those things really matter. Like when everything's going, like it's just, but I guess it can, they can seem like difficult distractions to actually get clear. But when everything gets crunchy, being able to fall back on those just sort of key layers mentally, those key bits of scaffolding, they've certainly helped me think about what does this mean, all this AI stuff, what does this crypto stuff mean as well. I have to mention crypto every episode as part of the contract. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely the right layer to go to. It's like, what's our values? What's our history? What are the things we have traditionally succeeded at? Because then when you revisit what's happening in the here and now, um, say technological disruption from AI, it becomes a lot, it, it both builds your confidence because you're remembering your strengths. And like, so, you know, say for example, at Automatic, we have a number of huge strengths around um, community building and our involvement in open source and um, the millions and millions of, of free blogs that we have and um, just the sheer infrastructure itself and scale. It's like mind blowing, you know, and, and, and growing. And the people. Right. Like, you know, you can't, yeah, you can't turn around and necessarily build something that Apple might build as much as you want to, because you've got the people you've got who, who have a totally different set of tastes and, um, and ideas and, ones that are actually far better suited for our mission than trying to squeeze someone else's roadmap into our culture, right? There's a version of this that is very automatic-y and very WordPress-y and very WooCommerce-y. Um, and those, that's, that's the exciting stuff to focus on. And the, and, and the nice thing about it is the possibilities are so open that there's no harm at all in bringing your whole self to the question of how should I AI, <laughs> right? Like there's nothing to lose. You know, and you may end up creating a moat um, because other people aren't able to see the world that you, you know, the way you can see it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the the possibilities, and um, and I think um, open source in general, um, and WordPress and Automatic and Woo in particular, stand on so much history of open content and community and positive interactions, and um, and like long tail content that represents every corner of humanity that in the age of AI, where those things are more important than ever, like I'm just super excited about what we can do uh, over the next few years. Yeah. And I guess this is slightly apropos of nothing, but I'll, I'm going to share it anyway, uh, just as we, we start closing out today. So I guess like questing for my personal mission for a long time and something that uh, kind of clicked into place recently, I'm not saying this is like the whole thing, but I um, watched a talk at ETH Belgrade, uh, actually one that a friend of mine was giving, and he was talking about win-win games, you know, non-zero-sum games. And those are obviously the games that we want to be playing as a society, games where everyone can win rather than, you know, some people win at the expense of the others, which seems like a lot of the world at the moment. And I mean, I haven't done my research, but his assertion was that there are two types of win-win game. You've got innovation and you've got cooperation. And those are both things that I've always valued deeply. You know, I, I work in an innovation role here and I work at a company that has fundamentally deep roots in cooperation as embodied by that open source ecosystem 
And so I think that's the that's the story that I'm going to be dwelling on and thinking about when it comes to trying to manifest automatic mission is how do we how do we maintain and strengthen and build upon that cooperation how do we make that more meaningful whilst also leaning into the innovation you know what do what do these new technologies open up that we can create uh with on behalf of in service of our community and our customers so we can leverage those two things together and let's just see let's do more winning in the world Dan. let's see more winning De- definitely i mean it's a it's a complicated question because you know you have to have winners and losers in capitalism otherwise you have a bunch of monopolies and a bunch of monopolies get stale and, and fall to pieces so like you know to a degree you you want ideas to win or lose but regardless of which idea wins you want society to be improved and so like you know that doesn't mean that you know somebody's startup doesn't deserve to go underwater if they guessed wrong about the future of user interfaces or something like that person might lose but then they'll be living in a society where a better idea than theirs won and therefore the capabilities that they have as an individual are improved regardless of the fact that their startup went underwater so like you know we 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 have to allow for but this is where this is where you know for a company the size of automatic in in an industry where it's not sure you know it's not clear yet where things are going to land it's really important to disrupt yourself in various ways um and also and this is just advice for anyone you know it's like discard ideas freely adopt ideas freely um and maintain the most heightened level of awareness possible of where something is showing unusual traction and so that requires um having a pretty careful data and analytics layer that tells you the right things like it's possible to build a support widget that um that deflects support 50% better than another support widget simply by hiding buttons deeper making fonts smaller you know having arbitrary exercises or whatever you want to do like you know at the end of the day you really have to be careful about measuring the right things or you might trick yourself into thinking you've you've done something positive when you, you've, you've harmed your customer. Nice. All right. Well, look, we need to wrap up, but I've really enjoyed today's discussion with you, Dan. I think we've largely stayed clear of uh, <laughs> spilling any secrets or um, saying anything controversial. I appreciate that we've had like quite a wide-ranging conversation, but... I intended that to be the case because I know that automatic can be a little bit of a like a, a blackout curtain. Like it's very difficult for people outside the business to gauge what's going on inside. And obviously it matters to everyone in the ecosystem uh, what is going on inside. So I wanted to, I guess, have a like a slightly more philosophical and values-driven and um, wider-ranging conversation because the mission remains, the values remain. Right. The things to do remain the things to do. And, uh, you know, we're going to need the whole ecosystem working together to manifest those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Focusing on your strengths, um, staying positive, building new stuff every day. Like, we we need everyone to be doing that. Like, you know, it's it's a crazy time. We don't know who in the the WordPress ecosystem is going to break out and become you know, a global success on the back of some of these technologies. And, um, but what we do share in common is what you just said is I think a lot of the values, the community um, and 
the willingness to help each other. And um, yeah, uh, hopefully by automatic sharing what we've learned uh, on this journey, then others can others can learn from that too. And like you say, it's the win-win. You know, we can help each other be better and uh, we can also help the freedoms that we care about stay relevant in the age of AI, which I think is is critically important. I would feel very sad if those disappeared from the internet and from the world. Well, let's make sure they don't. Um, and in the meantime, let's enjoy the human connections that the like our common software gives us. Um, that, that keeps us all connected. And let's keep an eye out for more win-win opportunities all around. Absolutely. Here, here. Thank you for the time. Oh, thank you. Hey, Bob WP here. I'm back. And as producer, I'll tell you that this was one of those shows that truly fascinated me as I listened to them record in our studio. And these are the kinds of conversations that bring us better perspective and, yes, even hope in the future that we know will be AI. So as we wrap this up, do make sure and find the link in the show notes where you can sign up for Avalara's next conference. As a builder, I feel you can impress your clients having an edge of knowledge around tax compliance. So until the next time, keep on doing the woo.